Except the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows him to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. To God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another, and another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord. For they give thanks to God, and whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For one of us lives alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. And this is Romans 14, 1 through 8. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, you can put that there. All right. So we are continuing in our series through Romans. And uh, the Corey family has the opportunity to be down um, serving at a church in on Fisher's Island down on the Cape this weekend. So um, I'm going to be filling in here. Um, continuing, continuing our... Let me rearrange here. Series on the book of Romans. Um, so far this summer, we've stuck, stuck mostly in chapter 12 of Romans. The first 11 chapters, Paul is laying out the foundations of the gospel. And then in chapter 12, we get a therefore where it, it turned into a, a practical, uh, how do we live life in, in light of all this? And uh Man, I would almost think that, that Mark has planned it this way because since in the last few times I've been preaching, I've been uh, given topics that are not the most exciting from uh, submitting to authority <laughs> and now uh, disputable matters between Christians. So, uh, no, today's going to be good. Um, as as uh, I've been studying this week, uh, God has really, you know, stirred my heart and you know this is an important thing and really it's just another opportunity even in as we have things amongst believers that we don't always agree on it's just another opportunity to live and be a demonstration and experience fellowship with christ in that um so as we know uh churches from the beginning of church history have had disputes and some of them are actually quite comical so I want to read to you, there's a couple, I read a list of, of actual uh, arguments that churches have had over the years, and I want to read you a few of some that were I thought were pretty funny. There was a, a disagreement on whether or not to build a children's playground or to use the land for a cemetery. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm dying to hear how that one ended. <laughs> Um, there was a dispute of whether or not to install restroom stall dividers in the women's restroom. Seems like a no-brainer, but hey. All right. Uh, 
a dispute of whether the worship leader should have his shoes on during the service. I mean, I'm, I'm open to hearing arguments either way. Um, a dispute because uh, there wasn't grape juice when they uh, did the Lord's Supper. It was cran grape juice. Um, a dispute about whether the church should allow deviled eggs at the church meal. The conclusion they came to is that it had to be balanced with angel food cake. This one might be my favorite, uh, whether or not to have gluten-free communion bread. Now, this isn't a disputable uh, subject for Scott Bartlett, because a few years ago when he read in Scripture that gluttony was a sin, he cut it off entirely. That was for you, Scott. Although all these things are funny and are real disputes among believers, these aren't even really disputable matters that that Paul is talking about. Um, These are just matters of preference. Um, And in Titus 3, 9 through 11, uh, it says, Avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once, then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. When we get so caught up in matters of preference uh, and, and disputable matters, all it serves to do is divide and distract us from Christ. Um, and so I want to lay that foundation um, where this is not something that, that any of us should, should get stuck on. Um, what we're talking about today I'm calling a believer's dilemma. Uh, a believer's dilemma being something that... Uh, between believers, people who are a part of the body of Christ have confessed with their mouth that Jesus is their Lord and believe in his power uh, through the resurrection. Even amongst the body of Christ, we still have disputes. Um, and Romans 14, actually into 15, tells us how we should relate to others who hold different convic- convictions about moral cultural issues. As we read in uh, the passage, in Paul's day, the big disputes were the Sabbath day, uh, whether or not one day, being the Sabbath, for them it was Saturday, should be set apart or holier than than the others, Uh, eating meat, meat in general, and then also meat sacrificed to idols. So it was a common practice in that day for uh, other religions who practiced sacrifices after they sacrifice their meat to bring it to the marketplace and sell it to other people. So that was, you know, some, some believers would say, well, I don't want to be participating in something that was used for sacrifices to another God. And others were like, the other God, the other gods don't even really exist. So what did this, this meat is no different than any other meat. That was another one. Um, also wine was, uh, whether or not, Believers should be drinking wine. Um, and these are heavily influenced by the, the Judaism, the Jewish culture of that day. And, and most of these disputes are going to be heavily influenced by our culture, right? Today, we still have uh, disputes among believers as to whether or not we should be drinking alcohol, what media we should be watching or consuming, physical appearances, tattoos, dress, how believers should be spending their money. We got one coming up, Halloween, whether or not we should practice this. It has roots of um, 
the occult in it. So should we be practicing it? Uh, again, these are mostly cultural, but also uh, influence moral judgment. Um, and I want to make another distinction. I want to be clear that um, this is not talking about disputes or debates over the core beliefs of our faith. It's not about core beliefs of the gospel. You know, if somebody is saying, you know, I'm not really sure that Jesus ever really rose from the dead or that he really never died when he went to the cross and he just kind of uh, existed in a coma for three days, but he never actually died. Um, this, that's not what we're talking about. Um, if a person says that, don't cut them off entirely. Have a different conversation. Um, about the truths of Scripture and, and who God is and who Christ was. And this is also not talking about trying to make undisputable matters in Scripture disputable. Um, I've seen you know individuals in the church over the last 15 to 20 years uh, wanting to justify uh, the way we or others may want to live by trying to nullify direct truths of Christ. Uh, for example, someone might say, you know, I believe, I believe in Jesus as my Savior, but I think if someone chooses another religion, God is okay with that too. And, you know, there's some things in Scripture that are just totally clear, and, and Jesus leaves no room for debate. In, in Acts 4.12, it says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no, under, no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. And also in John 14:6, uh, he says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me." So the disputes that we're talking about here today are are moral, cultural issues uh, relevant to bodies of believers, kind of unique to their day. Um, so Paul addresses two kinds of believers or two sides in this passage. Uh, the first is the weak. Um, and so this is the believer in this passage with a more sensitive conscience. Uh, the person who is convinced in their heart in chapter 14 that certain foods are unclean still, that uh, food sacrificed to idols are unclean, that wine is not permissible, and that the Sabbath day is a day that should be set apart for other days. Um, for them, these issues, one or, or all of these issues, might present a violation of their conscience. Um, and it's interesting to me that Paul uses the phrase weaker brother at, uh, to describe this person because from a human perspective, a lot of times we might think like, oh, this is, this is the more religious, the, the holier of the two people. Uh, but I think Paul uses the phrase weaker to describe this brother uh, to kind of dismantle any self-righteous pride or holier-than-thou mentality uh, that that a person that is more zealous, per se, could easily um, take on. Self-righteousness is never a legitimate reason to take a stance of the weaker brother. Um, it only leads to legalism, which is putting faith in our ability to follow rules. And uh, if we continue on that path, we'll end up constructing rules and regulations which God never laid before us in the first place and just continuing to separate ourselves from others. So that's the weak brother in this passage. The other one is the strong. This is the believer who feels freedom to abstain from or participate in certain things uh, for the glory of God. This person in, in their culture would be one who fe feels that no food is unclean. Uh, that it's okay to drink wine and that some 
For all days are the Lord's, and there isn't one special or one more holier than another. And just like the weak, similarly, the strong can have a self uh, self righteous attitude about being able to use their freedoms, uh, looking down at others for their lack of faith or their lack of freedom. And so, uh, I'm gonna I have for you guys today four principles for Christians dealing with disputable matters. Um, they come right out of this passage, and uh, we'll get right into them. First is be fully convinced in your own mind. This comes out of verses five and six. It says, "One man considers one day more sacred than another; another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat." eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. Be fully convinced in your own mind. Um, I was privileged to be able to go to five years of Bible school. My first year was a uh, uh, small intensive year uh, in northern Wisconsin at a program called Wisconsin Wilderness Campus. And for me, that provided a really awesome opportunity, and I was encouraged uh, to, to test my faith, to pursue truths for myself. And I think, you know, professors wouldn't just spoon-feed me answers that that they believe to be true. They would present questions and say, go to the scriptures, go find this out. Some people hold this belief. Some hold, people hold that belief. Again, these disputable matters between Christians, and they encouraged us and, and forced us in a lot of our coursework to go pursue truth for ourselves. Um, and I think that's a necessary thing for all believers to come to a point where we're not just receiving what our pastor tells us or you know what a Sunday school teacher or or a professor tells us about him, but We've made this faith our own. We've sought out the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I encourage people, you know, in and outside the church to just pursue truth because if we unbiasedly will pursue things that are true, I believe that it will lead us to faith in Christ. Um, and, and, you know, at the end of my schooling and even today, a lot of my questions were answered, but in the end I, I felt like I had more questions than at the beginning anyway. Um, but I think God brings us to a place where he gives us enough. He gives us enough answers um, and enough peace to choose to have faith in him. And after all, if everything there was to know about God could be t- contained in a book or, or discovered in a lifetime or even in a human brain, what kind of God would he be anyway? He is so much greater than ours, and he gives us enough um, to choose to put our faith and trust in him. So I'll say that. Be fully convinced in your own mind. Whatever your conviction is, pursue it. Um, Look to Scripture. uh, Ask counsel of others. Uh, But most importantly, I would say Scripture. Look in Scripture for the reasoning. And listen to your spirit, but we're going to get that. We're going to get into that later. Um, second, act in faith, not in doubt. This comes from verse 22 and 23. You don't actually have that on your bulletin, uh, but I'm going to read. If, if you want to open your Bible, you can read along too. Verse 22 says, So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves, but the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats. 
because his eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. Now, life is an act of worship. We, at every opportunity, every moment of our lives, we have the opportunity to point back to the one who made us and saved us. And if we are living a life in congruence and in worship of God, we're going to, and in step with the Spirit, we're going to bear fruit of the Spirit um, as we go about. And when our conscience is not at, at rest, and we're not bearing fruit of the Spirit, we're not at peace, uh, we're not experiencing a heart of love, we've got to go back inside and, and figure out, all right, something's wrong. The root of my actions in my heart is a result of the fruit that I'm experiencing. Um, so I actually kind of had this experience not too recently, or actually very recently, um, I, as many of you know, enjoy hunting. And in April, we moved to a new house that sits, basically backs right up to some really uh, easily accessed hunting land for me. And according to the law, uh, it's private property, but according to the law in New Hampshire, if there are no posted signs, you are allowed to hunt on a, a given property. And, and for posted signs, there's a certain way which they have to be posted, has to be about every 100 feet along the entire perimeter of the property. And so I had been hunting on this property uh, last the last several years, even before I lived in this house. But uh, since I moved to this house, and just about a month ago, I, I saw that they had put one posted sign along a different border of uh, the property. And so in my head, I immediately was like... <sighs> Like, this is going to be taken away from me. Like, what am I going to do? And then I started to justify. No, these people, they didn't put posted signs where I enter their property. So I'm good. Like, according to the law, I'm fine. Like, I can do this. Um, the problem is I view my time out in the woods very much as time to, to be with God, to listen to him, and to hear from him. And I was hearing from him. Uh, you know, he, he basically showed me my heart and was saying, like, you are valuing this spot to hunt more than you're actually valuing the person who owns it, who is your neighbor. Um, and so I was just sitting in my tree stand, like, just, you know, wrestling with that. And I, I finally, you know, came to the place like, Lord, you are not giving me rest with this. What I need to do is go write a letter to these people. Um, and he used... Um, a verse, actually, as I was preparing for my sermon about submitting to authority, I came across this verse, and it, it comes from First Peter two sixteen, I believe. I forgot to write the reference, but it says, "Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as God's slaves." And that's what I was doing. I was looking at the law. By the law, I had the right to go on these people's property and hunt, but I was using that freedom to not love my neighbor and respect their wishes. Um, maybe maybe they would grant me access, maybe not. I did end up writing them a letter, and they said yes. So I can hunt there again. But, you know, that, back to the point that um, we need to act in faith, not in doubt. The, the, the fruit of my emotions and my heart, I was uneasy. I couldn't just, it just didn't sit right with me that that I was doing this, and so I had to listen to that. And so we need to act in faith, um, not in doubt. And even in, in 
Verse 22, it says, everything that does not come from faith is sin. And that's what I was experiencing. Um, so we have, be fully convinced in our own mind, pursue the truth, act in faith, not in doubt, listen to your own conscience. Third, we have, don't judge the preferences and convictions of other believers. Uh, in verse 4 it says, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. We all have one master, and it's not any of us. Uh, God is going to be the one who, when we meet him face to face, is, is going to you know, call us to right and wrong. And uh, we don't need to judge each other. It only leads to more division. And uh, I've heard something that I, that I learned from Marcus in, in hearing him talk about us as a church is that we like to major in the majors and minor in the minors. Meaning we stand on the most important things, the truths of the gospel. And as far as the, the, the smaller details of our faith, we keep them minor things. Um, and it's sad because when we major in the minors, we, we let these issues define us instead of letting our faith in Christ define us. And again, that leads to divisions. It leads to legalism, idolatry. You know, should it be wine or should it be juice for communion? Should we be singing contemporary music or hymns? Um, what happens when we allow these things to divide us is we ended up worshiping ourselves and our preferences more than we worship Christ. Um, Francis Chan had a, a pretty good comment. He said, after a service one day, somebody from his church came up to him and said, you know, I, I didn't really care for the worship music today. And he's like, oh, well, that's fine. We weren't worshiping you anyway. I thought that was spot on. As believers, we are called more than anything to unity in Christ as his body. Uh, I'm going to draw from Philippians 2 here, and we're going to return to it in just a little bit. But it says, uh, starting in verse 1, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete, being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider each other better than yourself. And that, that leads right into my next point. The last one that we, we can draw from this is even in our disputes amongst each other, we need to consider others better than ourselves. In verse 13, um, it says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Um, so for me, you know, if I hold a conviction, um, let's say, about meat sacrifice to idols, I don't think it's a problem. But Jim, he's seen too many meat sacrifices, and he can't bear the thought of, uh, of eating a meat that's been sacrificed. It's kind of funny because we don't really deal with that today. <laughs> but um, I, would, I would need to be willing to give up that, um, say Jim was coming over my house, to give up that freedom in order to maintain unity. Um, we need to be ready to give up our freedom for the sake of others. In verse 19, it says, uh, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. 
All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. So don't do anything. Give up, be willing to give up your own freedom if it's going to cause a brother or sister in Christ to stumble. Um, <clears throat> and by laying down our rights, we're, we're giving up our freedoms for the sake of others. We're, we're a living demonstration or a gospel metaphor, and we're becoming more like Jesus because he did the exact same thing on the cross, right? He was guilty of no sin. Justice could be his at any moment, but instead he chose to, to take the road of a sinner so that we could receive justice in his place. Uh, Philippians 3.10 says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and, may, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now, justice for ourselves is not the highest calling. God's glory is. And as we uh, willingly suffer and experience maybe injustice, maybe it's just putting our own wishes aside, we're becoming more like Jesus. That's fellowship with him. And as we do that, our hope and, our, and the truth that we hold to is that Christ is making his presence in us grow. And we are becoming like him not only in his death, but in his resurrection as his, as his spirit takes a hold of our lives. Um, and that's our highest calling, that, that others may see, it and see that and that we may experience that. If we look back to Philippians 2, I'm going to read the first 11 verses to you in, in their entirety. It says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort in His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete, being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Every moment in our lives is an example, or an opportunity, excuse me, to be a living demonstration of Christ, even in how we disagree with one another. And it's not about who's right and wrong in these issues. You'll notice that Paul has no mention of that in this passage. It's about living in such a way that our lives demand an explanation. And when people ask, we can tell them that it's because Jesus already did it for us. And by his spirit, he empowers us to do it for others. When we do this, we're accomplishing God's mission in the world around us. But God's mission is also being accomplished in our hearts and in our lives. People are seeing and hearing the good news, and we are being transformed day by day to be more like Christ in his death and also in his resurrection.
Thank you all for listening. Let's close in prayer. Jesus, we want to be more like you. Lord, it's the truth of, of following you is that it comes at a cost. You call us to lay down our lives for the sake of others. But Lord, you promise that in our fellowship with you, in your suffering, you are giving us new life through the power of the resurrection, Lord. And so I, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit to put our, our own preferences, our own desires aside, Lord. To love others, to give them preference. Lord, to not judge, because you alone can do that. And we know that if we put our faith in Christ, Lord, that there is no condemnation. We thank you for this truth. Lord, we pray that you would stir our hearts with affection for you as we think on your kindness to us through Christ Jesus. We pray this for your glory and in your name. Amen.